All right. Good morning, True Life. How's everybody feeling this morning? <clears throat> okay, about like me. All right, that's good. Come on, how you doing this morning? Everybody doing well? Good to be in God's house. I just want to thank you for showing up on spring break weekend. This is uh, this couple weeks here is always one where uh, you get any seat you want. You know what I'm talking about? Because um, people are out traveling and, and doing different things. Even a group of us, you can pray for us. Uh, seven men from the church, not because girls weren't allowed to go. They just didn't. Um, <clears throat> but seven men from the church were all headed to Jacksonville, Florida tomorrow morning uh, to be at the All Access Conference with ARC, who uh, is the organization that helped plant our church and who we're helping to plant uh, churches all over the world. In fact, I just saw a, a tweet the other day that we're now over 400 churches planted um, through the Association of Related Churches. That's a good place for like a yell and an amen right there. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and you guys are a part of that. When you give, a percentage of your giving here uh, goes directly back to ARC, and it will always be that way. We'll always give towards ARC. We'll always give towards church planting. And uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to be a part of. And so you can pray for a couple of us are flying. Um, <clears throat> we leave in the morning. And then another group leaves even earlier uh, that is doing a road trip. They're driving. So just pray for their safety. Um, and uh, especially if Tim drives any of the legs of the trip. Um, he, yeah, you can steer when you're awake. That's the problem. So um, he gets a little sleepy while driving. But uh, no, so <clears throat> have, have you guys, you've been enjoying the series Running with the Giants? This has been really fun for me. Uh, and, and I know Joel as well. And he's, he's back up next week going to talk about Esther. And uh, it's going to be really good. And then and then we're to the end. We get to talk about Jesus on Palm Sunday and, and uh, roll right into... Are you cheering because it's the end or because it's Jesus? I hope it's because it's Jesus. All right. So, um, so you're like, it's over. <laughs> yes. All right. So my apologies ahead of time. Uh, right on cue every 30 days in our house. Since my daughter started kindergarten, she brings home a new germ that our immune systems are not prepared for. And uh, <clears throat> so... My son and daughter are both in here instead of with kids because we don't want to get them sick. And and uh, they decided to wait till Saturday to give it to me. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm really appreciative of that. It's going to be great to get on an airplane with sinuses. Don't worry, Lynn. I picked your seat. It's a far away from mine. All right. On the airplane. So, um, so uh, no, just uh, I apologize in advance if you hear any hoarseness or coughing or whatever. I, I apologize. I'll, but I will get through it. I'm going to make, I was joking with the worship team earlier, you know, when I'm, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I get a cold, it's like, it's full blown man cold, you know, and, and I get grouchy, like I'm grumpy when I don't feel good. And uh, so I was like, I, I was joking with the worship team. I was like, I hope I just don't preach grumpy, but you know what? I think I'm going to, it's just, I'm going to take it out on the devil. Is that all right? Can I just like, let's just be mean to him this morning. All right. So just a reminder, Easter coming up, and statistically, that is your best chance to invite somebody to church who needs to come to church. So uh, start thinking about it. We're going to have a great day that day. We're going to put our best foot forward because we expect to have guests in the building. Now, let me just say this. I was, I was talking to a friend this last week who visited another church, and, and he was just there hanging around checking things out. And the pastor got up, and he's like, we're going to do this and this and this, and we got this project and this outreach project. And then we're going to get all those people here on Easter and we're going to we're going to get the hook in them and we're going to keep them. And and sitting right in front of my friend was a family who were guests at church for the very first time. And he saw the guy lean over to his wife and go, he heard him. He goes, well, that's interesting. I guess we don't count today. Um, so 
That being said, would you help me welcome anybody who's here for the very first time this morning? <laughs> and let me just say, guests aren't more important on Easter. We just plan on having more of them, all right? So if you're a guest, you're, you're equally important anytime you show up here. And um, I'm thankful that my friend saw that and that that was another pastor who did that, not me. All right. Uh, Although there are plenty of times that my foot has been securely planted in my mouth from this stage. So, all right. So we've been working through uh, some of the giants of faith in the series and and, uh, really comes down to this question that we asked. And there's a theme scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one that says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And so the question we've been asking is, what would it be like if some of the giants of faith throughout the Bible could come down out of that crowd, run a lap of this race called life with us? What would they say to encourage us? What what would be that one thing that they might say that uh, would give us some perspective and help us run the race and finish because come on we all want to finish right you want to endure you want to make it to the end all right and so today i'm actually really excited to talk about moses really enjoyed studying for this this week because there are a handful of people in the bible you might find this as you study and i think it's different for every person but there's a handful of people in the scriptures that as you read about them and kind of get to know them in the bible you kind of feel like i could i could kind of relate to parts of that story a little bit like like, it's easy to see yourself having a similar reaction. or and, and Moses, although I've never gotten to talk to a burning bush, and I've certainly never had God carve commandments into stone in front of me, um, I can relate to this idea that God kind of just asks him to do something that's way beyond himself. And Moses gets overwhelmed by the request that God places on his life. I, I really, maybe that's all of us, I don't know, but but for me, oftentimes in my life, that's kind of been where I'm at. And there's this constant tension between what's safe and comfortable and what God is actually calling us to do. And I can just, I can relate to that for, for Moses. So in your notes this morning, and Brian mentioned you version, if you don't use the written notes that we hand out, by the way, I talked about this with my small group yesterday. You know why we give you written notes, written handouts? Because um, it's proven that 89% of learning is visual. And so we want you to not just listen to something, but have something that you can take with you. And, and uh, so that's why we put it on the screen. That's why we give you notes with blanks that you can fill in. Or if you have that Uversion app on your, bio, on your phone, you can just go to Uversion Live and uh, look for True Life Church Newark, or you can just put in the zip code, and we're probably going to be the first thing to pop up on 19711. And all of the notes are there. You can just fill in the blanks right there on your phone. And then if you're like me and you lose things that are on paper, it's always with you on your phone. All right. So let's, let's talk about Moses a little bit. Here's the big statement that I think he would say to us today. He would say that for when life seems too big for you, abandon what's safe and live by faith. Abandon what's safe and live by faith. Somebody should tweet that. Um, and let me just, let me hit pause for a second. I should have said this sooner. A lot of stuff on social media, in the news and Christian circles over the last couple of weeks about pastors and megachurch pastors and things like plagiarism and and uh, making the rounds, and we got Christians going crazy complaining about the Noah movie and, and everything else. And I, I think uh, Christine Kane summed it up quite well 
a tweet that I retweeted of hers when she said, perhaps we should spend more time examining how well our lives present the gospel message instead of evaluating how good Hollywood does at it. Um, And I just, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think, man, just all the the whining and crying and getting mad and yelling. And and, uh, somebody else said to me, you know, nobody's freaking out when you went to watch Iron Man. Nobody's like, that's not biblical. Of course it's not biblical. How could we ever expect anything but entertainment out of Hollywood? I mean, we, we got lucky on the Jesus movie, but, but, um, so l- let me just say this. If two things that I want to say, here's the first one. If you feel compelled to offer your opinion about what all the other Christians do in the world, that's fine. Just don't tell anybody you go here. All right. Cause that's not our heart here. Our heart is not to stand in judgment of everybody else and tell everybody else how to be perfect. Come on. Can I get an amen? All right. That's just not the heart of our church. All right. So if that's you and that's your personality, that's fine. Just tell them you go to someplace else. All right. You can lie, make it up and uh, (laughs) tell them you go to a different church. All right. All right. Here's the second thing on just the whole pastors in the news, plagiarism, all these different things. And and if you're smart, maybe you do your research and you know that that a, a good amount of what we do at True Life, we actually get content from other churches. But here's the difference. We have permission, <laughs> all right? And so we work with a network of pastors within the ark who open, in fact, I sat in training to be a church planner and heard Chris Hodges, who I think knows a thing or two about church planting since he, uh, is, after 10 years, has 30,000 plus people attending his church. Um, and he said to us, if you try to come up with all your own messages to preach during the first two years of your church, you're crazy because you're going to be busy doing everything else. And so I just want you to know, Joel, myself, we both, we listen to lots of different resources. We pull different things from different places. We always want to give honor to like this series in particular, all of the artwork and some of the preaching ideas came from Church of the Highlands. Um, and uh, we just here, we believe God gave you eyes, plagiarized. So um, when it, cause when it comes to the scripture, when it comes to the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. So I just want you to know, we do, we do absolutely pull from other resources. And uh, if somebody else has already preached on a topic that I think God wants to share with our church and they've done a better job of it than I can, why wouldn't I, uh, as long as there, there's permission given, why wouldn't I use those resources? Y'all cool with that? You okay with that? that our, nobody's getting up to leave. So I guess that's fine. Um, he's a thief. All right. I am. I am. All right, so I, I feel like I can relate to Moses, this constant tension between what's safe and what God is calling us to do. I, I feel like I can relate to Moses in that he seems to have a bit of a temper. Um, you know, he walks out to, to check out what's going on and sees a, one of his own people being beat. He grabs an Egyptian and kills him for it. Um, Pharaoh finds out he gets run out of town. Get this, the dude comes down off of the mountain with the new Ten Commandments that God made and gets mad at the people and throws them at him and breaks them. I mean, can you imagine going back up the mountain? Uh, God, you know the things you just made? You want to do that again? Kind of had an accident. He's got a little bit of a temper. I can relate to that. He seems to have lived with that constant tension between what's comfortable for him. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He was a part of the royal family. And there's tension between what's safe and what's comfortable and who he really is, who God has really called him to be. He knows he's an Israelite. 
He had to have known it or else he wouldn't have wanted to defend the Israelite that was being treated unjustly. But here's the thing about Moses and here's the thing about emotion and having a bad temper. This is, this is free stuff, all right? This isn't even really part of the message, but I just thought it might be important for some of you. The right emotion plus a bad reaction or the wrong timing can equal a delay in God's plan for your life. Moses should have felt angry when he saw an Israelite being abused. But I, I think maybe murdering someone, since that's in those Ten Commandments later on, might not have been the best reaction at that time. And I can't help but wonder when I read the story of Moses, is it possible? God obviously used that. It all became a part of his plan. Is it possible that Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house so he could be in a position of influence and could have had a completely different path to leading his people out of Egypt than the one he ended up taking? So I just think it's important that we remember that the right emotion, the right feeling has to match up with the right timing. When we step out. All right, some encouragement for those who are feeling a bit lost today. Maybe you don't really know what God's trying to do with you and God's trying to do with your life. Here's what I want to say to you. I I hope that you would be open and ready for the moment in your life like Moses had. Now, it's probably not going to be like Moses was. Moses got talked to by a burning bush. If you tell me a burning bush talks to you, I'm thinking you're taking drugs. All right, so... That it could, I guess it could. It could happen. Just be prepared for no one to believe you. All right? But you are, at some point, if you're seeking God, if you're seeking truth, one thing I can guarantee you is you're going to have your burning bush moment. You're going to have your moment where God lays out for you clearly a plan that he has designed for your life. And what I can promise you, without any doubt, is that it won't be safe. It won't feel like it's safe and comfortable. He may call you to change careers. He may call you to change cities that you live in. He may call somebody to be a missionary and go live overseas and reach people. He may call you to, to, some of us, the most uncomfortable thing we could do would be for God to call us to stay right where we're at and have maximum influence for his kingdom. Oh, nobody wants to amen that. Why can't I get that promotion? Why can't I get that new job? Well, maybe you're not done with what God wanted to do with you where you're at. And that can be uncomfortable to decide to stay. Moses is a bit insecure. His response to God's call is immediately, hey, uh, wrong guy. I can relate to that. When my wife said to me one Sunday, can you imagine a church like this in Newark, Delaware? And I said, yep, somebody should go do that. Not us. And then it just started to eat away at us and keep me awake at night. And I, I... remember telling God, no, you've got the wrong guy. I remember being happy and putting on that happy, excited face. And at the same time, loading my family up into that moving truck, pulling out of Jacksonville. And honestly, on the inside, I'm going, what are you doing, man? What are are, you've lost it? You've lost your mind. No, it's just not safe to do everything God calls you to do. And so far, it's worked out. Okay. Don't you think? start over so far it's worked out right okay all right (laughs) so like many of us moses feels most comfortable with what's familiar what he perceives as safe so i want to take a look at a part of his story and we're going to skip through 
several verses here for the sake of time. All right, let's start at Exodus chapter three, verse one. One day, Moses, now he's out of Egypt at this point. Uh, He was fortunate enough to run into a wife in the desert. So he's, that's how you know God, that's how you know you're called to ministry, by the way. When you're ugly and God gives you a hot wife. (laughs) Married to the hottest worship leader. Do you know how hard it is to work? Never mind. <clears throat> I get distracted some Sundays. All right. One day Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. I just, I play this out in my head. Like I see Moses, he's out there with sheep. This is not exactly a high entertainment job. I would, I would think this ranks right up there with watching paint dry. And suddenly a bush on fire, but it's not actually on fire. The Bible says it's burning, but it wasn't being burned up. So it's on fire, but it's not actually burning. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. That's what I would do. Did I eat a berry that I didn't realize? I mean, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Very deep, Moses says. Why is it that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses. (laughs) Can you imagine? Whoa, what's that? Moses. And then, and look what he says. He just goes, here I am. That's how I just that's how I that picture happening to go. Present. <laughs> Lord calls to Mo he says, Moses, Moses, Moses says, Here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. And they begin to talk. Exodus three seven. Let's skip there. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Now, at this point, if I'm Moses, I'm going, yeah, it's bad. Because I'm out tending sheep. I'm not expecting to meet with God and have my whole life turned upside down. Yeah, God, it's bad. Still trying to get over the bush thing. But you're right. Egypt stinks. Skip down to verse 10. Now go. For I'm sending you to Pharaoh, you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And at that point, Moses begins to do what I would do and what probably all of us would do. He begins to totally freak out. What? In fact, he begins to protest back and forth with God several times about what God has told him to do. So I think he starts to respond here just like you and I would. He makes the same mistake many of us make. He responds with his first two protests are different, but they're the same. The first one, he says, who who am I to talk to Pharaoh? In other words, I'm kind of afraid of that guy. He could kill me. 
In fact, I had to run away from that guy because he could have killed me. Look at the second one. He says, what if the people don't believe me? What if they don't believe me? God, do you want me to show up and tell everybody that a bush told me I'm the guy to get him out of here? Right. That's going to go over well. He says, what if they don't believe me? Both of these are fear. They're fear and they're fear of people. And can I just tell you, I hope that if God does anything for you today, that we'll get over that fear of what everybody thinks about us. We'll get over that fear of that one person that you know God has put it in your heart to just have a conversation with them about at some point about Christ. But it's that fear of rejection. It's that fear of the unknown. And can I just remind you this morning that God has not called you to live a life that never involves any fear. He's going to call us to do some things that don't feel safe, that don't feel comfortable. In, in other words, that's exactly what Moses is saying to God. God, this is not safe. And his response to you and I today is that he rarely calls us to what we would perceive to be safe. And the story of Moses and the entire book of Exodus serve as a reminder that if God is in it, listen to this, if you get anything today, get this. If God is in it, it's the safest thing we can do. If it's what God is calling you to do, it is the safest thing. Everything else might look more comfortable. Everything else might look safer. But if God is calling you to do it, it's the safest thing you can do. Some lessons I think Moses might share with us if he could be here today. Number one, he would say, ignore burning bushes. All right, no, here, for real. Living safe will keep you, here's the first one, trapped in your past. Living safe will keep you trapped in your past. And I I wrote a few things down here as I was studying for this because there's a language that develops within us if we're trapped in the past. If you're trapped in the past, you actually begin to talk a certain way. And you start to say things, even internally, maybe you don't say it out loud, but you have these internal conversations with yourself that they sound like this. The last time I did that, fill in the blank. And I don't think I can handle that happening again. What, what if I get hurt again? What if this ends up being painful? What if, here's, here's one. What if I make the same mistake I made last time? And we develop a language of safety that keeps us trapped in the past and we can't move forward. Being trapped in the past will blind you from the reality of what's going on around you and the potential of what God wants to do with your future. It's like that illustration. We've said it here many times before that when you leave today, if you have a car, if you're fortunate enough to have a vehicle to drive, you're going to get in there and you're going to start it up and put it in drive and you're going to pull out of the parking lot. And I just want to warn you that bad things are going to happen if you pull out of the parking lot with your head all up, staring directly into the rearview mirror only. I just want to reveal something to you. In your car, go look after service. The windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror. Why? Because it's more important to be able to see where you're going than where you've been. And living a life with God is the same way. It's more important to see where he's taking us than where we've been. Don't get stuck in the past. You know, look at a a scripture verse, and while I studied this, I noticed something different. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. And I never actually caught this before, but this is a verse that you've probably heard before. 
But the scriptures that precede this, if I just read this scripture alone, I might think that the scriptures that precede this refer to some tough times. But they don't. Through the prophet Isaiah, God is reminding people of past victories. He says, hey, remember when I led you out of Egypt? Remember how I provided for you? Remember how I made sure you had food to eat? Remember how I took care of your enemies? Remember how when Pharaoh tried to chase you out of Egypt, I made the Red Sea open so that you could walk through on dry land? And when he came after you, I closed it on his army and killed them all. Do you, you remember that? Remember how it's almost like God's giving him a pump up speech. Do you remember how good it was, how all the great stuff I did? And I could see the people going, yeah, that was, that was awesome. God, I love that. Look what he says next in verse 18, chapter Isaiah 43, 18. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. I like the way the message says it. He says, it says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert rivers in the badlands. Here's what I want to say to you. If God can list off victories and then say, forget about that, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. How much more can we then trust him to do something great and new in our lives when the things in our past aren't victories? I mean, if God can say the victories are nothing, how much more can we look at the defeats and know they're nothing? Because God has something new for us. Come on, somebody. He's got, some, he's got something new for you today. So let's trust him. Here's the second thing that living that uh, living safe will do. It'll keep us satisfied with the here and now. It'll keep us satisfied with the here and now. I get together with our lead team on a regular basis, and I know probably sometimes they go, is he ever going to not have a list of things that we need to get better at? No. Never. Never. Why? Because God's always doing something new. I do not want to live a life of satisfaction. I, re, I just, I refuse. God is always up to something. There's always more. There's always a plan. There's always a purpose. There's always something that he wants to do with your life. And if you get comfortable, if you get satisfied with the way things are, guess what? He can't do them. He can't do them. And this is, you know, two years in our church has been wonderful. God has done some amazing things. Can I tell you, as great as those Two years have been, I'm not satisfied. I'm not content. I spend five minutes on Main Street, and some of the things I hear and see are all I need to be reminded that there are many, many people who need the message in the heart of Christ in their life. I don't want to get satisfied. Exodus 2.11, many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And this is where he murders one and gets run out of town. And I just want to ask you this morning. Like in your life, what's going to be the Hebrew beating moment that forces you out of comfort? What's going to be the thing in your life that creates some discontent? Where God stirs something up in you. And you decide, if I don't do anything else with my life, I have to at least do that. I call it my holy discontent. I have a couple. 
One is I just, I have to get as many people into heaven as I possibly can. That's why, that's why, that's why we track things like attendance in our church. Because numbers matter. Every number represents a soul. Every number represents a person. <laughs> numbers matter to God, by the way. He wrote a whole book called Numbers. It's in, it's in your Bible. Check it out. Toward the front. So here's Moses. He's living in luxury. <clears throat> and something compels him to go out and see his people, to see the Hebrews. And he sees the abuse. And he sees the slavery and Like I said already, killing the Egyptian may not have been the best plan, but at least he took action. At least he did something. And I wonder how many of us sometimes allow the comfort and the satisfaction of the here and now to keep us from pursuing what God wants to do with our lives. Moses discovered his holy discontent. I think we have a generational problem, if I can be honest with you. And here, here, here it is. This is what I see developing. <clears throat> we, we get a little bit uncomfortable, but we never really get discontent. And so we do things like raise awareness. I was telling somebody the other day, if I see one more group of people raising awareness without any action plan to actually go do something and change the situation, I'm going to scream. We don't... Awareness is not, everybody's aware that bad stuff is happening. And just watch five minutes of the news. Like somebody's dying, somebody's getting abused, somebody's getting mistreated right now. We don't need more awareness. What we need people is people who will roll up their sleeves and say, God, I'm all in. How do you want to use me? I don't care if it's comfortable. I don't care if I'm satisfied. Give me a holy discontent, God. Give me something. Give me some purpose, some design for my life. And put it in me that I have to finish that thing before I leave this planet. I'm preaching way better than you're listening. Living safe will cause us to ignore the eternal condition of those around us. And I don't mean to sound condemning or judgmental, but I just can't help but think, man, what a selfish way to live my life. I don't ever, ever want to fall into that trap. In our church, I just want to share some heart, some vision with you this morning on this topic. You know what we need? We do not need more volunteers. We do not need more people to be aware of need. You know what we need you to do? If you call this church home, if you attend here, you know what we need you to do? We need you to show up at a life track. We need you to walk through the process with us. And let's work together to figure out what your holy discontent is. And let's get you attached to your opportunity to make a difference in eternity. And you can go do that with all of your... See, here's the problem with volunteers. Volunteers have no ownership. If I go... I could go volunteer to the city of Newark right now today and say, hey, I'd like to volunteer to pick up trash. And you know what? If I get tired of volunteering, I can walk away. And it's not my problem. It's ultimately still the city's problem that there's trash on the road. But if I went to the city of New York and said, hey, I want to create a partnership with you where we create a system and an organization to keep the streets clean, and we're going to put our church's name on it. And what, you know, at that point, we got some ownership. We got some skin in the game. You know, I don't care if I'm out there every day of the week. We're going to get some trash clean. You know what I'm saying? 
So you know what we need? We don't need volunteers. We need owners. We need partners who step up and say, I'm going to find out what the holy discontent is. And I'm going to do everything I can to finish it before I leave this planet. Come on, somebody. All right, here's the third thing. Man, I'm preaching too much. All right. Staying safe will keep us afraid of tomorrow. Afraid of tomorrow. Exodus 4 is mostly Moses debating God on being the guy to rescue his people. God does miracles. Pick up your staff. Put down your staff. It's a snake. What? God's patient. But Moses keeps making excuses. And finally, the truth comes out of Moses' mouth. Did I say Jesus? Okay, sorry. Moses keeps making excuses. And finally, the truth comes out of his mouth. All right, here it is. It's in Exodus 4.13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, send anyone else. Anyone but me. I, I don't want to do this. Anyone, God. And the fear of what might happen in the future gripped his life. Can I tell you, God doesn't want us afraid of anything, especially not a future that he's calling us into. You can find it all through the scriptures, Romans eight thirty one. If God is for us, come on, church. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a self and self-discipline, or some translations say a sound mind. Wouldn't you like to just be able to calm your mind down sometimes? You want to know how to get your mind calmed down? Stop being afraid of what God is calling you to and just go run after it with all your heart. Just do it. And I would say this to you: it's okay to do some things while you're afraid. Just never do anything out of fear. It's okay to do some things while you're afraid. All right, let's wrap it up. How do we move from, I really thought hard about this, by the way. This is a good one. How do we move from the safe zone to the faith zone? (laughs) I didn't steal that one either. How do we do it? So I think would be Moses' final words of encouragement. It's out of control this morning. So awesome. Can I take a drink, guys? I always think I'm a better preacher than Joel because I don't drink as much, but I'm joking. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because that's really what we should judge it on. It's how many times you take a drink. All right. Here's. Here's the first thing that I think we got to do to move from the safe zone to the faith zone. Do you want to go there today? All right, let's do it. Here's here's the first one. Number one, recognize that God is already working in you. He's already doing it. He's already there. If you've given your heart to Christ, he is working in you. That's the Holy Spirit comes to life in you when you begin relationship with him and he begins to work in you on that day. Now we can choose how much of that gets completed 
how much we agree and align with what he's trying to do, but he's working in you. If you haven't accepted Christ yet, I would just say that he's, he may not be working in you, but he is working on you. The Bible's very clear that the role of the Holy Spirit on planet earth today is to draw men to Christ and convince us of our need of a savior. So he may not be in you yet, but he is working on you. Hebrews eleven twenty two, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. Now I had to study, because when I first read that, I thought like he was ugly or don't let anybody see him. And the actual um, text there translates to uh, beautiful, but like like a supernatural, like they could just tell there was something on him. You ever been around somebody, you could just tell there's something on their life, like they just have purpose? We got, I mean, we got several guys like that, honestly. In our, God's on, every, he's got purpose for every person. But there's some people I just get around and I'm like, man, God is going to do something crazy with you. And I think that's what Moses' parents saw. They just could sense there's something about this kid. We've got to protect him. And they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. So before Moses is ever in a position of authority, before he ever lives in Pharaoh's house, God's already working. And I would just say to you today, you may not know everything he's trying to do, but God is already working in you. Here's the second thing. If we want to move from the safe zone to the faith, I've got to say as many times as I can, to the faith zone refuse come on everybody say refuse refuse a world inspired identity there are two competing powers trying to define who you are and what your life is about and the choice is ours guys we get to pick i for one refuse to let the world define me Imagine the words Moses must have heard growing up in, in Pharaoh's house. I, can, I, I just have to think there would have been stuff like, hey, you're going to see the Hebrews out there, but don't worry, about, don't worry about that. You're one of us. You're one of us now. You're with us. Part of our family. You get to be royalty. Now, aren't you just thankful that Moses didn't find his identity in Pharaoh's house? That he found his identity in what God wanted him to do. Hebrews eleven twenty four. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Here's the third thing you got to do if you want to move from the safe zone to the faith zone. I think that's the last time I'll be able to say it. That's a bummer. Respond to his leading. Respond to his leading. (coughs) Moses' response to God's call ultimately led to the freedom of his people. Hebrews 11, 28, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. They were all drowned. 
Would you close your eyes this morning as I just wrap this up? I just want to ask, what, what is God up to in you today? What are, the, what are the things he's been stirring and he's been messing with? Has he, has he been trying to get you to stop living in the past? Stop comparing everything to the way it happened the first time. Has he been trying maybe to nudge you out of that, that comfortable place of the here and now? Has he been trying to build up your faith and give you some courage so you don't have to be fearful of what he's calling you to? How are you reacting to that? Because he is working in you. Who's defining you? What is your identity attached to? What somebody says about you? Young lady, is your identity attached to the way the world says you should look and behave? Or is it attached to what God says you can be? A woman of grace. I love asking my daughter. I just, just this morning, I said, you know where you're most beautiful? She said, on the inside. And I just want to remind, I just want to remind it over. Because our world is trying to define for our ladies what their identity ought to be. And it's wrong. It's wrong. So what's it attached to? Whose identity are you going to come into alignment with? And a God is... While he's speaking to you and he's working on you today, will you respond? Will you respond? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask, if you're, you're sitting here today and you say, hey, Michael, you said that if I've asked Christ into my heart, he's working in me, but I have. if I haven't, he's working on me. And I really feel like he's working on me today and he's trying to draw me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I... I need it. I see something in my friends or maybe your family who serve Christ. and There's something different there. They're not perfect. They don't have it all together, but there's hope. There's peace. Maybe the Holy Spirit's drawing you into that relationship today so you can start to experience that. And if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, we're not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to see you but me. Would you just, just quickly hold your hand up? Say, hey, that's me. I need to I need to get into relationship with Jesus today. I need to start. I see that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Awesome. Awesome. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you can pray this prayer with us. If you need to begin a walk with Christ today. And I'm just going to ask that you do one thing. Grab a connection card after we pray. It's in the cup holder next to you. And just... Give us your contact info and check the box that says I'm committing my heart to Christ so that we can send an email out to you with some steps to take <coughs> take to get off to a good start in your walk with Christ. Our whole church is just going to say this prayer with you. Would you just repeat after me? Just say, Dear Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of all my sin, every mistake, past, present, future. Come into my heart. I surrender my life completely to you. And I choose that from this day on, Jesus Christ 
You're the Lord of my life and the King of my heart. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to, if you would, just keep your eyes closed for just a second. If you say, hey, hey, Michael, I needed that today. Like I've just, I need to get from safe to faith. I've been, my life has been all about safe and I, I need it. I needed the nudge today. If, if that's you, I want to, I want to pray over you. Would you just, just quickly, every eye closed, just hold your hand up. So that's me. I got to, I'm living too safe, man. I'm not pursuing what God has for me. Hands up all over the room. Awesome. You can put them down. Father, you see the hands. More importantly, you see the hearts. And, and Lord, I just pray today, God, that for those of us who are stuck in the past or we've gotten comfortable or maybe it's fear that's keeping us from moving forward, that your Holy Spirit would come in like a flood into our hearts, God, and you, you would build up faith in us. God, that we wouldn't hesitate to step into what you're calling us to do with our lives. We would trust you, God. As you lead us forward. Help us to realize what you're already doing in our lives and come in alignment with it. Help us to refuse to accept an identity that the world would want to put on us. God, help us to always respond to the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, in your people today, create a holy discontent. Help them find it. Help us find what it is, God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brian's going to come. Just want to remind you there is no life track tonight because this is a fifth Sunday. So we'll be back next Sunday with the 101 life track, uh, True Life 101, where if, uh, if you've been coming for a while and you want to take the next step and, and just find out what really makes our church happen and kind of what makes us tick, you can come and hang out. I'll be there. I'd love to get to know you teaching that class. And that's going to be next Sunday night at 6 o'clock over at New Heart Ministries. And, uh, and like I said, next week, Joel will be up here talking about Esther. Come on, ladies. One more lady from the Bible. All right. So come on. God help you today. Let's give God a hand. Let's let him know we love him.